we've been in a power. We've had some pow, two powerful service. I know the 1 p.m. because y'all helped me preach. So I know the 1 p.m. is going to be powerful. 9 a.m. and at 11, we're powerful. We're actually going to spend some extra time in worship today because we're in a series on spiritual warfare. And we've been teaching two weeks in a row on spiritual warfare. And now I want to give you the opportunity to do some spiritual warfare. You know, so I, I really feel like how many people, you, you feel like you're in a fight right now? Come on, my, we've had some challenges in, in my family. My wife has had to travel and do some travel. My wife has been gone 10 out of the last 14 days. You say shoot, bed, around bed and bath time. That's when I'm saying shoot. I feel like all the hell is coming against me trying to get these kids to eat their breakfast. And uh, listen, my wife comes back tonight and I get to present Acts 1. Uh, it's a powerful verse in Acts 1 where it says Jesus presented himself to the disciples alive after the cross. And tonight when my wife gets home, I'm going to present myself, uh, Bailey, I can't remember their names, Bailey and Dallas, I'm going to present ourselves alive to my wife when we get home. Like, there's been one bath between the three of us in two days, but we're alive. I don't know what they ate for breakfast yesterday, but we're alive. Come on, I'm preaching already. I don't know what time they went to bed, but they're alive. Oh my God. I actually dropped them off at my friends, Victor and Brenda's house last night. And when I got in the car after I dropped them off, now these, type, these are those types of parents. They got four or five kids running around. It means nothing to them. It's just amazing. Me, I dropped my kids off and I just felt this weight come off of me. I just felt, see, I'm, can I preach to myself? I just felt God do something down in the depths of my soul as I drove home and got a break. I just felt Jesus. I love my kids, man. I'm a great dad. I'm a terrible single dad, but I'm a great dad. As long as I have my wife there with me, I'm the best dad ever. As soon as she leaves, I'll start questioning myself, questioning life. I'm telling you, man, I got baby fever bad. I want a third kid. Until my wife goes out of town, I said, okay, I'm cool with two. Cool with two. But yeah, it's, it's important that we we continue to have this conversation. There's not enough talk about spiritual warfare. There's not enough talk about what you're going through and the way that the enemy tries to use what you're going through. See, here's the thing. Both God and the enemy want to use what you're going through. We think that God, you know, and, and I, I say this carefully because certain things are just purely the enemy. Cancer is from the pit of hell. God doesn't give anybody cancer. But I'm talking about these life situations that God wants to use them both. The enemy wants to use your failure, and so does God. The enemy wants to use your failure to make you think you are a failure, but you can be righteous, but you just fail. The Bible says a righteous person falls seven times and gets back up all seven. So, so the amount of failure doesn't have anything to do with who you are. So many times if something's going wrong, we think something is wrong. Something must be wrong with God. Something must be wrong with me. Or something must be wrong with you because, right, we start to, to, to assign our trials to a certain problem, but sometimes it's spiritual warfare. And I was reading through the book of um, Genesis, and I was reading through the life of Joseph, and Joseph went through some stuff, had a dream, and then God used all these, sold into slavery, and then he said, 
to the people who sold him into slavery. He has this conversation with them where he says, I used to think, and I'm paraphrasing, I used to think you did this to me. But now I realize God allowed this to happen so I would be in this position and could save your life. Now, now I have to have the mercy and the grace to use the position, watch this, and this, I didn't say this in any other, the other services today, somebody needs to hear this. I have to have so much mercy and grace in my life. I have to be so like Jesus that God would use me when he elevates me to the position and the purpose that he has for me, I need to now allow God to use me to bless the people that tried to keep me from being where. See, somebody here, you know exactly when, you, when God gets done doing what he's doing for you, you're going to go right back to all them haters and all them people and say, I told you so. See the call on my life? The Bible says to pray for and bless your enemies. So God used Joseph, used the things that his brothers did to him, used it to elevate him, and then made Joseph bless the people who caused him to go through everything he went through. Do you have that kind of grace on your life? And it was, Joseph was giving them money. They'd bring him money and Joseph, give him more money, give him more money, put it back, put it back, I don't need it. And I want to encourage you today that God will ask you to bless somebody from the position that they, they tried to keep you from getting there and God will ask you to bless them. You see only four people are clapping? Somebody's hands go to clap. It's like magnets in the opposite direction. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't clap to that, man. Turn your Bibles to you. I'll leave, I'll leave you alone. Turn your Bibles to the book of Jude. There is a book of Jude in the Bible. If I was going to give this sermon a title, it's called Hey Jude. Not that many people laugh. It's a Beatles song. <laughs> it's so funny how different people laugh at different jokes. You got people who listen to nothing but hip-hop, and they're like, huh, what does that mean? Hey Jude is a song by the Beatles. If you don't know who the Beatles are, you are in spiritual warfare for sure. Because <laughs> you've been living under a rock your whole life. Jude, um, people argue over who Jude was. Most people think he was one of Jesus' brothers. So he was very close to Jesus. Um, yet he wrote a part of the Bible that not many people can, can I have some honesty in here? How many people have actually heard of the book of Jude? How many people have not? How many people could quote a verse right now from the book of Jude? I, I know you can't. Like brother's annoying. Two people in the room can quote a verse from the book of Jude, but yet Jude has done something profound that nobody knows about. He, he has... He didn't have, there's no Jude chapter 2. There's just Jude. Timothy, Tim, Timothy came up. Timothy, this is 1st and 2nd Timothy. And he got 1st Timothy chapter 1, 1st Timothy chapter 2. Jude just got Jude. There ain't even no chapters. It's just Jude. Jude 19. And yet he did something profound. And nobody's talking about Jude. See, so many times we think purpose is something that everybody will talk about. 
And that's one of our biggest areas of spiritual warfare is that we think if it's our purpose, it's got to leave a legacy. That everybody has everybody talking, has everybody thinking we're famous. It has everybody. It's, it's, I got to reach everybody. I got to go on tour. I got to do this. Sometimes you can, reach, you, can, you can reach your purpose and nobody even knows you're in your purpose. And so Jude is writing this scripture and he's going in and what he's doing is we're going to read from verse 17, but he's talking about some people who have weaseled their way into the church and are teaching false doctrine. He said, beware of these teachers, these hypocrites who have weaseled their way into the church and they're saying because of the grace of Jesus, there are no consequences to your actions. And he's saying, hey, I want to correct your theology, your perspective on how God works. Jesus came and died so that it would free you from condemnation. There, are, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to die and save you from condemnation, but he has not saved you from consequences. And he's saying there are some people who have wormed their way into the church who are telling you that Jesus saves you from both condemnation and consequences. So do whatever you want, and Jesus is so loving, it's fine. Just do that. Be that way. It's fine. He says, be, be careful. He says in one part, hey, make sure that you love on people who are doing stuff like this, but be careful. Make sure you, you, you hate the sin, but not the sinner. And, and here's the thing, that word hate doesn't mean despise. People preach that verse way wrong. I, I hate the way you sin, but I love you. No, 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 no. You know what the word hate means in the Greek? It means to love less. I love what you do less than I love you. It's not angry. You get people saying, watch people's tone when they quote that verse. If they say, the Bible says to hate the sin, but love, oh, no, 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 not you, not you. you, you you're not preaching that right. The Bible says that I'm allowed to not like as much the stuff that you do without losing any love for you at all. That's how you preach that. And so Jude is saying, some people have come in and they've corrupted you and they've made you think that if, Julian, if you cheat on your wife, I'm going to be to heaven, right? You got to remember, David cheated on his wife. David cheated on his wife with Bathsheba. Bathsheba's in heaven too. You're going to go to heaven and see David's mistress in heaven with David. God forbid I cheat on my wife and my wife's a believer and my mistress is a believer, we're all going to be to heaven. But let me tell you something, there's going to be some serious consequences for me taking that choice. And Jesus did not come to save me from consequences. He came to save me from condemnation. So, so if you could pick your job, I, I, maybe you pick something else. I didn't get to pick my job. I, God called me to be a pastor, wouldn't have picked it. It's okay, Lord, I'll do it. But, but I'm hoping that you will allow me to pick the way that I want to pastor. And I would like to be free as much as possible from pastoring you through the consequences of your action. I would rather pastor you through the weight of the blessing you have to carry because you're obedient. Can I pick my job? Because I will. 
I will pastor you through consequences, but I'd rather not. I'd rather pastor you through the weight of the glory of the Lord because you've been walking with God. You don't don't do everything perfect, but let me tell you something. You've been walking with the Lord. You want to hear him. You want to obey him. Your grace grace kicks in when you come up short, but I want to pastor you through the weight of blessing, through the weight of blessing. Of blessing and Jude is saying, Hey, we got to be careful that we don't tell people there's no condemnation and there's also no consequences. He was in battle with this uh, Greek philosopher named Epicurus, and he had produced these people called the Epicureans. And the Epicureans would run around telling everybody that life's purpose was about fulfilling all of your pleasures monetarily, sexually, career wise, whatever you wanted to do. The key to being happy in this life, and it was from God that you would do everything you can to remain in a constant state of pleasure. That's what they told. And so that stuff had leaked into the Christian church where life is about pleasure. And and God's saying, no, it's about purpose. And they're saying, no, it's about pleasure and being happy. No, it's about purpose. And no, it's about being happy. And doesn't God want me to be happy? Yes. But God did not die to make you happy. He died to make you holy. And he knew if you became holy, you'd be happy. So he died so that he could have this opportunity to transform you into the person, right? Jesus was starving one time, and the Bible says the disciples say, you need to eat something. And Jesus said, I have a food you know nothing about. It is to do the will of my Father. So I don't have to engorge myself with food, even though I'm starving and I could complain. There's something in me right now that feels fulfilled. I'm full, haven't eaten a thing, but I'm full because I've been doing the will of my Father in heaven. And Jude is talking about people who preach the opposite of this, that there isn't some sense of happiness from finally being in the will of God. Come on, you you ever know you're in the will and an unhappy situation becomes happy when you get a revelation, I'm in the will. I'm in the will of God. And there's work in the will of God. And there's pain in the will of God. And anything that you want to do in this life, you have to allow God to make pain a part of the recipe. You have to. God uses all things together. All things. And somebody at the 1 p.m. right now, you're mad at this thing and that thing. And God, this thing is a blessing. This thing is a curse. And God, you got to take this thing away. But God uses all things for good. He formulates your pain, your trials, your warfare, your, your blessings. He puts it all together and gives you, and he puts it in the fire and he gives you purpose. You know, many of us, if we, we tried to eat the ingredients one by one of a cake, they're all disgusting. Nobody ever had a spoonful of flour and was like, yum. Nobody ever had an egg by itself and was like, yum. Nobody ever had baking soda and was like, yum. But all those things make Mixed together, you put it in the oven under the fire, and all. See, what makes a cake a cake is the fire. Whoa, I'm preaching. I'm preaching louder than you clapping. What, what, the, it doesn't matter. Without the fire, you won't enjoy the cake. So you need this battle. You need this warfare. And and the Bible says that Jude is trying to warn people, don't think that you don't need it. 
I need the fire. I need this trial. I need this warfare. I need this because this is shaping something in me that prepares me to take hold of all that God has for me. I need it. Somebody say, I need it. So last service, I feel like preaching. Okay, ready? Jude 17, are you ready? This is Brother Jude. Come on, Brother Jude. He says all these people are trifling, telling you there's no consequences, right? But not you, my dear friends. You must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you in the last times there would be scoffers, scoffers. Scoffers, people just out in these streets scoffing all over the place. It's like, but you just up in here just scoffing all over, scoffing all in the church, scoffing all in the house, just scoffing all at the job. I'm just saying it that way because I keep forgetting how to say it. You know what I mean, it says their purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. Why do you go to church? Like, why do you keep praying? Like, just do you. So these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. Watch this. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. I, I want to tell you that you are not the person that the world tries to tell you you are. The world tries to tell you whatever you naturally would do is who you are. Whatever comes to your nature, that's why it feels like it's you, because it comes natural. But what happens is we don't understand that the world does what comes natural. If we're a follower of Jesus, we do what comes supernatural. See, naturally, I want to cuss somebody out. Supernaturally, I'm like, bless you, brother. I don't know why I have an African accent when I do that. But naturally, I want to quit. Supernaturally, I'm going to persevere and keep going. No devil in hell is going to stop me. The weapons may be formed, but they will not prosper. That's supernatural. Naturally, ooh, she is fine. Supernaturally, I'm married. No shot. Right? You waiting for the Lord to just make everybody ugly? No. No. Lord, do something to him, Lord. I can't take it. No, it's, it's supernatural. See, see, you got to learn to do what the Holy Spirit supernaturally wants you to do. It is natural to look at your bank account, and it is natural to say, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. But the Spirit says, I do. We're going we're gonna to put some faith. We're going to put some trust. We're going to put some hope in God. It is natural to look at the budget. It is supernatural to look to the heavens. And that don't mean don't look at your budget. Some of y'all, man, how many Starbucks are you going to drink? Right? You know an espresso is cheaper. You get a latte, they charge you six bucks. You get an espresso, it's $2. That's for free. So I'm not saying don't get on a budget, but I'm saying is don't rely. Oh, my God, I feel this so strong. I'm not saying everybody in this room should get on a budget. Nobody in this room should rely on one. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely on God. We get on a budget because discipline is awesome, but we don't rely on our budget to provide. We get on one. We don't rely on one. We get a job. We don't rely on 
Stop saying you trust in God. No, you need to trust that. You need to trust that job application. Fill out a job. But you don't, just because you don't have one and you've been trying, that don't mean you're less than. Maybe God doesn't want you to work so hard in this season. But when he opens the door, walk through the door. It's, it's, does that make sense? It's almost like God wants you to do these things, but he doesn't want you to rely on these things. And sometimes God will keep you from finding what he knows you'll rely on. So he won't give you the job and the promotion because he doesn't want you to rely on it. He doesn't want to give you the husband because you'll rely on the husband. He doesn't want to give you the wife because you'll rely on her. And he's trying to teach you to rely on Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so this is what it is. Don't follow your natural. It's okay. Naturally, you want to do something. But ask the Holy Spirit. It's time to get super natural. So they, they follow their natural instincts because they don't have God's spirit. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. It says you must pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, in this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. Safe from spiritual warfare, safe from anxiety, safe from fear, safe from discouragement. Where do you find safety? I just want to feel safe. Okay. Where do you find safety? Because most of the time when we want to feel safe, we manipulate another person to make us feel safe when we're not safe at all. We're not safe. Safety is found in the love of God. I just want to feel like everything's going to be okay. I know, in the love of God. God wants you to feel safe. But let me tell you something, God doesn't want you to feel safe in an unsafe place. How you, I want to change somebody's language. Stop saying I want to feel safe. You don't want to feel safe. You want to be safe. Because you can feel unsafe in a place that is safe. And you can feel safe in a place that is not safe. You, I'm giving you a, never say again, I want to feel safe. I don't want to feel nothing. I want to be everything that God has called me to be. And I'm not trying to discount your feelings. But your feelings will tell you you're safe when you're not. Your feelings will tell you you're unsafe when you are. You are around some of the safest people that are making you feel unsafe because you're not used to being around healthy people full of faith that are praying for you and trying to call you out on your... You gotta be careful. He says, I, I need you to keep yourself safe in God's love. We talked about in the beginning, we talk about warfare a lot, spiritual warfare, but we don't talk about love. You need to understand how loved you are and your trial and the things that you're in a battle, are, the enemy's trying to use that to make you feel unloved. But it says, no, 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 I know you're going through it, but keep yourself safe in God's love, and it gives us three areas to help you do that. This is a perfect spiritual warfare verse because anybody who's under spiritual warfare doesn't feel safe. And, and here, here's the crazy thing. God gives you the responsibility. You gotta keep yourself safe in God's love. And, and he mentions three areas. Dear friends, this is how you keep yourself safe in God's love. You must, this is not an option, you must build each other up in the holy faith. 
you must build each other up in the holy faith. Why do you go to church? To build each other up. You can't, there's certain things you're going through. The podcast is great. That, that Bible study you do is great, but you got to be around some people with some faith. You got to be around some people that are building you up. You got to be around some people who are telling you the opposite. You got to be humble enough to keep yourself around people who will tell you the opposite thing that you are doing right now. You got to be around some people that'll build up your faith. When I'm going through something, I need to be around the right people. Some of your warfare is because you're going through something. You're around the wrong people. You, you, a, a couple weeks ago when my, my wife's father passed away, I told somebody at a coffee shop, yeah, I'm kind of going through it. My wife's father passed away. They said, oh yeah, I get that. My, my wife's father passed away some years ago. She was never the same. Good luck when that happened. Two weeks, a week, a couple weeks, you got a long road ahead of you. What? I mean, I get it, but sometimes you tell somebody what you're going through and their first response is to tell you what they're going through. They don't even wanna, and then because they didn't make it out, they're gonna speak over you, you ain't gonna make it out. I don't need to be around a person like that. When I'm going through a fight, I need to be about somebody that says, hey, my dad passed away too, but I got through it and so will you. I'm believing that God's gonna use this loss to bring about blessing and favor. Somebody needs to moonwalk away from a negative person in this season. You gotta make it cute, just dance your way. You need to be around somebody who is speaking faith. like it, but it is. I got some faith. I've never spent my time trying to look like what God wants me to be. Sometimes I don't look like it. Sometimes I don't act like it. Sometimes this situation doesn't look like it. But let me tell you something. God will speak to me and he will give me faith. And I want to be around some people who have some faith. Especially when I'm in a fight. Especially when I'm in a fight. What is that scene in Mel Gibson? Was it, was it Braveheart when all the men were running? And he's on his horse, he was like, hey! No, where are you going? They was running, retreating, and he rode on his horse, he was like, hey! You need somebody when you're running away from the calling, running away from the purpose, running away from your marriage, running away from parenthood. You need somebody to say, hey! You got this. Let me speak to who you are in Christ Jesus. You need somebody who's going to build up your faith, and not just your faith, your most holy faith. What does that mean? That means some of us are under spiritual warfare because we spent too much time believing for and not enough time believing in God. You're broken because so much of what you're believing for didn't happen. But God wants you to shift your faith from not believing for, believing in. The Bible says Jesus said, believe in God. Just believe in God. He never once encouraged someone to believe for. He said, believe in. And if you believe in, the natural fruit of believing in is believing for. But believing in should precede believing for. And the enemy wants to reverse that to where we'll believe for. And if God does it, 
will believe in. The Bible says an adulterous generation asked for a sign. Why did he call them an adulterous generation for asking for a sign when he was already doing signs and wonders? Why? Because they were using a sign we're believing for, and if you do what we're believing for, only then will we believe in. He said, you adulterous generation always asking for a sign. Haven't I already done? How, you know how much I've done for your life? You wouldn't even be here sitting at the 1 p.m. if I didn't rescue you up out of the pit of despair, if I didn't meet you and greet you, your husband or your wife. You wouldn't even be where you're at. You, I, I know you got a long way to go, but how far have I brought you? Don't be asking me for a sign. You are the sign. Look at you. Look how far I've brought you. Look how much faith you have. You are. I'm not going to question God about how he's going to get me there. I don't want to question Jesus about how he's going to get me there. And I can understand. I'm not questioning Jesus. I'm getting ready to step in some of the craziest stuff. And I'm not, I can't question Jesus how he's going to get me there. Because i got to be too busy praising him from how he took me from way back there. So I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I'm going to praise God for this distance because I'll question him for this one. i got to praise God for how far he's brought me or I'll question him about how far i got to go. Did you hear what I, I got to praise him for how far he's brought me or I'll question him. That's the most holy faith. That's the most holy faith. It's like you, you would just put your faith in Jesus. Don't you ever say Pastor Julian more than you say Jesus. Don't you ever say your connect group's leader's name more than you say Jesus. Don't you ever. I know you're married. I know your husband's awesome. But don't, don't, he ain't your rock. Jesus is your rock. He ain't your rock. Jesus is the name above. Don't you ever say Oasis more than you say Jesus. Don't you ever say the church more than you say Jesus. I, our king has a name. And his name is Jesus. And I know you're in a fight, but the Bible says at the mention, not of Oasis, at the mention, not of Pastor Julian, at the mention of the name of Jesus, dim demons tremble. Hell starts to get scared. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? The name of Jesus. You start saying that name you will be building people up in the most holy faith. And then it says this, watch this, to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. That means, I want you to catch this, if there is a prayer with power, then there is a prayer without one. If there's a prayer with power, there's a prayer without it. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the power. A lot of people pray eloquent prayers with no power because they're judgmental. And they pray, their prayers are eloquent too. Lord, we come into your presence. We beseech your throne in your glorious presence, Father God. We come against every enemy, Father God. We just ask, Lord, that you would just capitulate our faith right now in such a powerful way, Father God, that no weapon, no 
demon now doth it come forth in my life shall come forth and have any prosperity shut up I'm trying to pray prosperity you just sitting there like I just asked you to bless the Chick-fil-a and you over there eating a nugget eating a nugget out of your 12 count like, listen, hopefully this is pre-blessed because it's a Christian come. You know what I mean? No. And it says be careful because some people have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power of God. And people like this will try to change you. They'll try to, could you go every single day to your job? Could you go every single day to your job and sit in your boss's desk and go through his emails and give his employees direction? then why are you always sitting in God's chair trying to tell believers what to do? No, we need to create environments. The Bible says be, be sure that no one misses out on the grace of God and the Holy Spirit will come and he'll lead them to the truth. Don't take God's job. Somebody you with might need a revelation. Don't try to give it to them. I know you highlighted 18 verses, but they need to hear that from God. Because then you might say a prayer that, that lacks power because there's judgment. And, and, and this prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about praying in tongues. We, we believe as, as a church about praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is no joke. Praying in tongues, praying in tongues is no joke. And, and maybe you have seen people abuse that. Yelling in tongues and shouting in church and making it all weird and awkward. I get the Bible would, would, would suggest that, that you cannot yell tongues in church without an interpretation. But praying in tongues is no joke. I thank God for the day that he gave me the gift of tongues. Because sometimes I'll pray a prayer in English that I wouldn't pray in tongues. Because a prayer in tongues, some of the things, nobody would pray in English, Lord, allow this next three years to be the hardest three years of my life. But I'll come out of it better. Would you pray a prayer like that in English? Lord, I want the next 10 years of my life to be filled with pain, but at the end of 10 years, I'm gonna come out blessed. When you pray in English, you're like, Lord, just keep me from, oh, no, I don't want anything to happen to me. Just make sure, like, just when I travel that everything's safe. I don't want my flight to get delayed, but, 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 but you're praying in the Spirit, Lord, delay my flight, because I'm gonna sit next to a person on a delayed flight that needs to hear my testimony. That's what you pray in the Spirit. I remember the first time I prayed in tongues, like, they, they spoke on me, it was super weird. Because I was like, I was trying to be like a, a, that Christian, like, I watch, I'm about to pray in tongues, I'm about to go down. And the first time I was like, hey, do you get any words? And I didn't get any words, so I just kind of made something up. I was like, my baloney has a first name, it's O-A-C-R. They're like, that's, is that the Oscar Mayer theme song? Yeah, you know what I'm saying, I'm just trying to flow a little bit, just trying to flow a little bit. <laughs> I said, no pressure, no pressure. Maybe God will just give you one word. I think the word was Shondai or something. So I was just running around Shondai, 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 yeah, yeah. I just, I said it and I started bawling my eyeballs out. The power of God came on me and I've never been the same. And then over time, he gives me more, more words. So I want you to go home and I want you to ask God for the gift of tongues. Now here's the, here's the, here's the key. If you think you are a better Christian because you pray in tongues, don't ask him for it. If anybody's ever made you feel less than because you don't do it, don't ask. Cancel that word that's spoken over your life and then ask. 
But when you pray in the spirit, you pray these bullseye prayers. Lord, give me the strength for the next 18 months. Lord, when you feel like walking out in English, you're like, Lord, bless me if I leave this brother. When you feel like walking out of your marriage, you're like, bless me if I leave this brother. But the spirit, you're praying, Lord, strengthen me in my marriage. Do you get what I'm saying? I want everyone in here that doesn't pray in the spirit to go home and say, forget if you do it or not. Just begin to ask God to give you a desire for the gift. Just say, I need to, I need to, I need to flow in this a bit, especially with this warfare that's coming up. And the last thing he tells them to do is pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. What is he talking about? He's talking about the return of Jesus. Can I just share with you the foundation of the gospel? It's that Jesus came, then he died, then he ascended, he was resurrected, and he's coming back. Do you, you get what I'm saying? You gotta get all those points. He came, he died, he was resurrected, he ascended, he's returning. So it's saying what frees you up from the spiritual warfare is what are you waiting for God to do? Deep down in the heart of your hearts, what are, you, what are you waiting for God to do? At the core of your faith, what are you believing for? A promotion? Blessing? Something that this life has to offer? Those things are amazing. But these people were protected from spiritual warfare because at the core of their core, they were just waiting for Jesus to come back. I want to give... Everybody else in here, another thing to do. Every day you wake up, every day, before you put your key in your car, or before you leave to, I know you got a lot of stuff to do, but I want you to, before you start your day, I want you to spend 15 seconds when you leave your, your, your house or whatever you gotta go, and I want you to look to the heavens I just want you to say this sentence. Jesus is coming back for me. Because you have a lot of other goals and a lot of other vision for your life and a lot of other things, but what you are awaiting, what you are expecting is Christ to return for you. And there's one issue that I want every believer to always be dealing with that I never want God to heal. I want every believer to constantly remain between now and the return of Jesus. I want every believer to remain homesick. To understand, I'm not from here. I'm from another place. Heaven is here and I don't need to be in a rush to go there but I got to be in a rush to bring it here the, the church has spent too much time trying to be the kingdom and we're supposed to be the embassy the Bible calls us ambassadors of Christ do you know what ambassador does ambassador shows up to a colony that represents a bigger kingdom and the ambassador's job is to is to bring the culture of where they came from to the place that their king has sent them to. If you're an ambassador, 
that means you can get a job and you don't have to say it's so dark because God will say, I know. That is why I sent you from the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness so that you could bring your heavenly culture to the demonic realm and you could shift it. This is what God has called you and I to. You got to wake up every morning and say, Jesus, you're coming for me. I don't have to be in a rush to go there, but I know you will return. Disciples in the Bible lived their life like Jesus was coming back tonight. What would you do if Jesus was coming back at 7 p.m. tonight? What would you do if Jesus was coming back this Friday? What would you do? I'm not saying you have to not, some of us wouldn't go to work because we would go do the thing, something else. What I'm trying to tell you is you go to work, but you have to find a way to fit in the things that you would do if you only thought you had today left. If you thought Jesus was coming back and you thought, and you would call your mom, call her now. If you would forgive that person, forgive them now. If you wouldn't worry about the money, don't worry about it now. Who would worry about money if Jesus is coming back tonight at 7 p.m.? Then don't worry about it now. You get what I'm saying? If you're expecting Jesus to come back at the end of the day, it just shifts so much spiritual warfare. And every day you wake up, we're still here. So I got to bring heaven where the enemy's trying to bring hell. That's a real disciple awaiting Christ's return.